Am Poinsettia, Chapter 32, Murderer for Whore, Part 2. I want to emphasize once again, it had been less than a fucking month since Serena had been brutally attacked by that son of a bitch up in Northridge. Less than a month. And that guy was already calling God only knows what agency in L.A. Metro looking for another girl. That shit, you negative. It's necessary to reiterate the significance of what had happened to Serena. I have to tell it over and over again because you have to understand when that fucker brazenly invited Serena into his home, his own fucking home, okay? Not a friend's house, not some abandoned house, some realty company's house, no. His own fucking place. There, he violated her in every sense of the fucking word. Then he beat the fucking piss out of her. In his own fucking home, the comfort of his own fucking home. When she tried to get out of the house, it got worse. And he really started fucking her up. His hour, he can do it as much as he wants, how he wants. That's why she got it all. No condom, rape, 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 sodomy, you name it, she got it. And that's as raw as I can fucking put it. That's exactly how it happened. And what made me so fucking mad and why I was so outraged and still pissed when I think about it is that it didn't have to happen. It didn't have to happen. Other agencies in the Metro, they had had prior incidents with that son of a bitch. I mean, nothing as extreme as rape, but they had had issues with him. Taking off condoms in the middle of sex, choking, that kind of thing. Stuff he wasn't supposed to do. And progressively gotten worse and worse. That's right. Seemed as though he was reforming more and more violent every fucking time he called one of them agencies. It's a dangerous motherfucker. That's according to the girls. Had to fucking deal with these guys, okay? They get a taste for it, and then that's it. They go fucking crazy, and it gets worse and worse and worse. I just, I can't stop fucking. It never should have fucking happened. Never should have fucking happened. None of those agencies, none of them, warned Rosemary. Nope. Because it was Rosemary. It's that fucking simple. Not warning Rosemary's agency about an animal on the fucking loose is because Rosemary rarely reciprocated such things, okay? I mean, I can't speak to truth on that 100%, but according to Summer, Beatrice, Jenny, Karen, even Samantha, they had all mentioned at one time or another, it was a rare occasion for Rosemary to pick up a phone and assist other agencies, especially if they were a new upcoming agency out trying to make their way in the market. Rosemary's not going to help those fuckers. She's going to let them burn, yeah. That was the kind of friend market-sharing businesswoman Rosemary was, which is to say she wasn't. There was a police sting. Uh, she might call one of her buddies way out in fucking Riverside, California. But she ain't going to warn any direct competition no fucking way. She stay silent. Let him get arrested. Let him get busted. Well, the other agencies... 
They returned that fucking favor. They clammed up about that fucker in Northridge. So by the time he had worked his way around through a few agencies and gotten away with it without repercussion, he was solely responsible for bringing me out of retirement. He called Classic Touch and got to Serena. And believe you me, in Serena, he found his perfect victim. 5'4", buck 10, slender frame, shoulder length, brown hair, brown eyes. She could have gotten along anywhere. Serena could have really have gotten by and blended in any fucking place she wanted to. She was obviously what that motherfucker had been looking for, waiting for. Perfect target to, yeah, graduate to rapist. That's what really bothered me and made me feel sorry. Because had I been with her, it never would have fucking happened. It never would have happened. You see, once again, I want to reiterate, I had run myself out of a fucking job ever since I had lined up all them fucking deadbeats and animals out there. People knew if you called a fucking escort agency and you mistreated one of them girls, there was no fucking place. If you're to be found, I'll find you. Fuckers. So like I say, we had them lined up and it was great. But it, that had been months and months prior. This guy waited. I'm sure he watched her. Little Serena got in her car and drove herself up to Northridge. No driver, no security, on her own. Second she pulled up in front of his house, got out and walked up to his front door and crossed that threshold... He had her. I got to see the aftermath. And that's why I still feel the way I do about it. Half of me couldn't wait to get my fucking hands on him. The other half of me was nervous, but that didn't make any fucking difference. I was the one contracted to do the fucking job. I had half the money up front. I wasn't nervous enough to not do the fucking job. I was going to do it. Still didn't know what I was even going to do. I knew where he lived. I knew the quickest ways out, but I didn't know what he looked like. And once I got my hands on him, I didn't know what I was going to do. But I had plans. I just didn't think about him. You have to understand, I was 21. This is the first rapist. Murderer, if you ask me. The first one I'd ever really had to fucking deal with for a certain amount of money. That's right. There was a gauge on how much I was to deliver. Okay? This is important shit. I do exact revenge and balance that out without staying out of jail. And I was having to put a woman I was in love with on the fucking trap as bait. She was going to have to walk into that fucker's house and be set up as bait. And it was on me, me, to make sure nothing happened to her and that I got her out. That was job one. Your fucking AI was scared. If anything happened to her, I mean, wasn't a fucking game.
And I ain't no expert. I'm lucky I didn't end up fucking dead. But I didn't. Neither dead or jail. As far as the female goes, well, I'll tell you. I couldn't have had a better partner that night because she had dealt with shit like this in the past and she knew how to deal with them. Summer had plans, as did I. We never discussed them. I swear to God. We never discussed them. Before I tell you this tale about how we dealt with this motherfucker, I want you to understand. That's how in sync we were. That's what in love is. We didn't have to talk about it. See, I had to count on Summer to get me inside that fucker's house. She had to count on me to get her the fuck out. end of a uh, flaming yawn over there at Musso Frank's when uh, Summer got the coded page from Rosemary. The prick had called one of the agencies in some town and uh, second Summer pulled the pager out from her purse. She held it up over the table so I could see. She caught me right in the middle of a gulp of wine. Oh, fuck. We gotta go. Yeah. She said, putting the pager back in her purse. I drove the Stingray for the first time that night. I didn't want to fucking drive it. Like I said, it was Dean's. And what really hurt me about it, she had taken me out my birthday celebration in that fucking car, and that was okay. Look, I was grateful. It was my birthday, but still. I couldn't help myself when she wasn't looking and I was just admiring the car. I couldn't help but to look and open up the fucking glove apartment just to see both their names on the fucking insurance. Yeah, he had her legal name. It was that intimate now. But anyway, aside from that shit, we got the call. We had our asses back to West Hollywood. I drove the Stingray for the first time off the back lot of Musos. As we neared Poinsettia in West Hollywood, Summer instructed me to whip into the parking lot of the plaza, catty corner to Ralph, so she could, you know, call Rosemary and simultaneously return the call that sadistic woman hater yeah she's gonna make both calls from right there at the uh, fucking payphone. I sit there behind the wheel of the stingray I watched her on the phone with Rosemary yeah, writing number and address down that wasn't fucking necessary I knew where he lived I glanced around over at the green tea house and inside at the Indian restaurant everybody in there eating couple of folks doing laundry at Coinop. Yeah. How cool it'd be just to be sitting in there right now drying some shirts just shooting the shit with somebody with a beer hidden between your legs. <clears throat> anyway. I probably should have gotten out of the car to eavesdrop on the phone conversation she was having with the rapist. But I didn't. I let her be. She knew what she was doing. Still, during the whole time she's on the phone with the guy, she kept looking at me, looking over at me, you know, just to make sure I was still there. 
I watched her fake smile as she said goodbye to the son of a bitch and hung up the phone. I'll never forget that moment she looked over at me right through the windshield of that car before taking her hand off the payphone receiver. Just for a couple of clicks, she just stood there in that long summer dress of hers looking at me. West Hollywood traffic flying behind her just like the wind. Absolutely, she was scared. I was too. We had to go back to the apartment real quick because the rapist told her he didn't want to see her for a couple hours. That meant we had to dilly-dally around the apartment for like an hour and a half. Yeah, total apprehension state. It's the same old fucking ice-cold sick feeling you kind of get right before... <coughs> excuse me, um... <coughs> violence. We knew what this fucker was. And I wondered if he believed that we didn't know who the fuck he was or if he just didn't think we'd do anything. When he threw Serena out on his front stoop, naked with all her shit, and told her that he had friends in the mob, and she had told me that, in no way was I fucking connected. But we all had friends... And believe you me, Rosemary called hers, and I called mine on the Latin side. And as far as we could fucking tell, no one knew this motherfucker. No one. Or it would have been dealt with differently. That's why I took the job. You don't just dive into shit without knowing who you're fucking thumping. It does fucking matter. It does make a difference. I'll never understand what was going through that motherfucker's mind. Anyway, we got back to the apartment just long enough for me to make a gin and tonic or two. And then that fucking phone rang. It was Rosemary. He had called the agency he had originally called and told him that he was ready. 45 fucking minutes early. Ready. But he was ready for summer. And our only discussion about what we were going to do? During the drive to Northridge, she looked over and said... I'll get a door unlocked somehow. I'll get away from him to go to the bathroom and get a door unlocked. Good. You do that and I'll take it from there, I said reassuringly. We got close to his neighborhood. As we neared his street, I told Summer exactly what I wanted her to do. I'm going to drop you off about halfway up the street, okay? I'm going to pull into the driveway about halfway up. You're going to get out. His house is at the very top of the cul-de-sac, the big house. Okay. She said, nodding her head. I'm going to drop you off. Count to 30. Give me time to get turned around. Just count to 30 and then start your walk up there. Okay. And then I'll get a door unlocked once I'm inside. Right. Just give me time to get the fucking car parked. I asked once again. I hung left on the rapist street. I didn't kill any headlights. No, no. Oh, I knew Mr. Rapist was probably fucking watching. No, this is a nice transaction. Oh, he was in for the thrill of his life when he got a look at Summer, and I'm sure he had plenty of plans. Wanted him to see that stingray, but I also wanted him to see me turn around in that fucking driveway and go back down the hill as though I was leaving. I wanted him to see me leave before she walked in there. I was risking a lot. 
I hit that driveway, about halfway up the street, headlights on, hooked the left. Summer got out on the right passenger side of the stingray. Once outside, she poked back down underneath to look at me. Don't forget about me. You scream your fucking head off if he does anything and I'm coming through the door, stay low. Count to 30 before you start walking up there and get a door unlocked. I will. I love you. I love you. I'm guessing she fucking wind sprint up there. She must have. All I had to do was pull out of the driveway, drive to the end of the street, pull around the privacy fence. Lo and behold, the first available space was available. I took it and parked that quick. Got out of the car, walked over to the edge of the privacy fence, looked up, and she was already walking inside the fucker's house. She was walking in the front fucking door. Not kidding. I kind of marginally counted to 30 while I was parking the Stingray. Yeah, and all it took me was to back out, drive down about maybe 30 yards, turn the corner. Yay, first available parking space behind the privacy fences available. I took it. Yeah, I was locking the car at 27, looked up from the edge of the privacy fence, and she was fucking walking in. I hauled ass. I didn't give a shit if his fucking neighbor saw me or not. Within reason, okay? It wasn't like a mad screaming fucking hauling ass run, but I moved quick. I'm half Indian. I know how to move quiet, bitches. I crossed over to the east side of the street, stepping up on the sidewalk. Homes on that side were not lit at all. Even the interior lights were out. Rapist house. Had like seven windows facing the fucking street, but I knew he was busy with summer. I boogied right up past the driveway of his neighbor's house, sat catty corner to his, made my way across their lawn, then cut straight over to his backyard. There was a bit of an overcast that evening and no lights behind me, so I didn't give a shit. I was in. Summer was in there. Yeah, that meant I was fucking committed, 100%. The only thing that concerned me was dogs. Wasn't afraid of getting bit. I was afraid of having to kill a dog. That's the truth. Can't have the dog making noise. Even if I... I didn't think about it then, but I can say it now. Had there been a small dog in that backyard, I would have killed it. I would have. Summer was in there. The dog would have fucking died. Unless, of course, it was a pit bull. Then, yeah. You know, you can overplan this shit. <laughs> Fortunately, as I uh, neared the uh, brick corner of that home and peered around it, all I saw was barbecue and patio shit. I didn't see anything, no dog houses, no toys, anything that would indicate children or pets. Fucking I. So... I skirted his privacy fence. He had enough lights on in the dining room from the patio sliding door. I didn't need him to see me yet, but I was definitely listening very close and moving as quick as I could. So I skirted the backyard and I could start seeing the interior of the home because, yay, look, the drapes were open. And I got my first look at the fucker. Summer already had the guy's 
down to his, yeah, underwear. Tall, skinny man with long black hair and a pinstripe mustache and goatee. Looked like the fucking devil himself, folks. I crept closer watching Summer on her knees at his feet. Pulling lingerie and sex toys from this old suitcase that I belong to him and... Damn, I'll never forget that fucking smile on his fucking face. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Bomb and Down Point Study of Chapter 32. Murderer for Whore, Part 2. Murder for Whore, Part 3, next week, 8 p.m., same time and place. You got it. That's it. Burn your shit solid. This is a copywritten text. Let's be nice, hippies. See you then. Bye, Candios, me amigos.